People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 516. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. Oh, yeah, we forgot. And we I'm forgot Mark. to tell Mark the, the new thing. Oh, what's the new thing? Just intro yourself, bitch. <laughs> and I'm Mark, bitch. <laughs> Brittany who? <laughs> <laughs> we are recording on 420. Laura and Mark, are you high? Working on it. Working yes. on it. So you've had a puff. Is that what that means? Yes. Oh, interesting. Or two. How are you both feeling? Describe what's going through your minds right now. Um, well, as we discussed the different strands that you can have last week with Sarah, um, I'm I'm real happy because what what we have is an indica, or an, it's like an indica uh, hybrid. Mm-hmm. So I just you know the world feels good. Laura and I also recorded MuggleCast this morning. It was 8.30 a.m. for you. I'm curious, did you wake and bake before MuggleCast? No. No, oh. I did not. I just, it didn't feel right, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought about it. I thought about it. And then I was like, no, it's it's wrong. Like, there are children that listen to that show. <laughs> <laughs> If Eric found out, he oh. would have panicked. Oh. Well, he he also, I could tell, because at the end of the episode, we kind of talked about weed a little bit. And it was, I felt like in a family-friendly way, but I could tell Eric was like, are we really keeping that in the show? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he asked that. It was like, should I edit that out? No, no. So Laura, Pam, and I actually all recorded a new installment of our breaking news benefit the night the Mueller report broke, was released. And we're going to talk about it a little more today, but we encourage everybody to check that out over at patreon.com slash millennial because we had a really great off-the-cuff discussion. And that's what's so great about our breaking news benefit is that we are recording as it happens. So you you catch us in the moment, you catch us reacting for the first time as we're learning all this information. And we had a really fun chat. So check that out over on Patreon. I started that breaking news benefit jokingly saying we're here to discuss Beyonce's new (laughs) documentary that dropped on Netflix. We've all watched that now, I think. Pam, can you tell us about this? Why did she release it? What is it? Yeah, so last year, Beyonce broke the internet with her Coachella performance, also known as Baychella. And it was not only just a phenomenal piece of work, but it also paid tribute to historically black colleges. And you could really just tell instantly as it was happening that it meant so much to the black community far and wide. And so the good news is if you missed that on the Coachella live stream that happens every year on YouTube now, or if you weren't there, you can now experience it via Netflix. This was kind of a bit of a surprise drop. Um, It was hinted at about a few weeks before it was posted, but Netflix officially released it on Tuesday. And it's a two and a half hour. uh, I don't even think they're calling it a documentary. I think it's just called a film uh, Hmm. produced, directed and written by Beyonce. She gets all of the credit there. (laughs) And it kind of interweaves her phenomenal Coachella performance with these little behind the scenes recollection pieces that really show you just how much effort she put into 
making this a reality even after pushing out two human life forms from her body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So we did hear about her pregnancy, which was interesting. And she said she needed a C-section. And a big focus of the documentary is getting herself back together after the pregnancy, which was very interesting. I will say, and I really liked this about the concert or the film, it was mostly the concert and it was both weekends of Coachella and they did not shy away from like one song. You you saw both performances mm-hmm. of the same song because one weekend they were all wearing yellow and the other weekend they were wearing pink. So it was very easy to tell the difference between the two. Um, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. And to the the editing that you just mentioned, Andrew, the editing in this is phenomenal. And it Do goes... you think Beyonce edited? <laughs> Maybe. But I think it also goes to show <laughs> how sharp that choreography was that they were able to, I don't want to say easily, but make it look like really easy transitions between the two different sets of footage. Like there's one point in particular, somebody grabbed like a gif of this. It's as Beyonce and all the dancers are like kind of squatting and then leaping up and making a turn. And the way that the edit is done, they're all wearing their yellow costumes. And then as soon as all their feet hit the ground, it just turns pink. And it's so seamless that in the moment when I saw it, I thought it was a lighting trick. I was like, oh, they have like some weird fabric and the lights are reacting to make it look pink. And it wasn't until it happened another time that I was like, oh, this is just really good editing. What I really appreciated about it, and I think what a lot of people really like about this documentary is that it reminds us just how blown away we are last year. Because a lot of people, Coachella streams live. And a lot of us were watching this live because, oh my God, Beyonce at Coachella. And... The performance is just absolutely amazing. And what you, it's not something you see at a festival show. She just went above and beyond what would, what you would expect because these festival shows, they're all working with the same stage. So it's, it's very limited in what you can do. And a lot of artists will just kind of bring a standard set list to a festival because not all of them will also be your fans. They might be there for another artist. And then for Beyonce to put on this show that she had never done before, all this work went into a show that she just did twice. And she only did it twice because Coachella is now two weekends. It's just stunning. It reminds me of when a couple years back, she did a very big performance at the MTV Music Awards. I think it was the VMAs. That It was like a 15, 20-minute performance. And nobody was expecting it because, again, you expect these artists to kind of do a blandish live performance of maybe a song or two but this was just insane so it was really nice watching it on netflix i'm also very interested in the fact that this was on netflix because beyonce has always been loyal to hbo she dropped lemonade on hbo nobody knew what we were going to get out of lemonade we weren't even sure it was an album we just knew she was releasing something called lemonade and then we're all watching it live and we're like oh my god not only is this a new album but this is a new album about how jay-z cheated on beyonce she gave that to hbo and now she's apparently loyal to netflix and i find that interesting because i think these artists and bruce did this too he was loyal to hbo and now he's on netflix i think they realized that netflix you can reach a much larger audience and not deal with some of the bullshit that comes with HBO. For example, yeah. HBO would not have let Beyonce release this on a Tuesday night. 
they would have said, Beyonce, no, this has to be released on a Sunday. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Netflix is like, you release it whenever you want. And Netflix decided to release this smack in the middle of both Coachella weekends here in 2019. <laughs> oh, I just love it. Uh, the other thing, too, really quickly that we should point out is that this is not the only uh, project Beyonce has coming down the pipeline at Netflix. Reportedly, she signed a three-project deal with them worth $60 million. So there's no telling when that's going to come out, but it looks like she's at Netflix to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they offered her a deal she couldn't refuse. Yeah. yeah. As we see time and time again, Netflix just will spend any amount of money on seemingly anything. So when... And remember, Taylor Swift, she released her concert special on netflix on new year's eve which was also brilliant Mm -hmm. because it was it was such a fun thing to watch while you're getting to getting ready to go out for new year's eve so pretty incredible what beyonce did what netflix is doing with these artists just fascinating to watch but yeah definitely recommend this like it's it's got so many layers i mean on top of the fact that it's not just a concert it is an event Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's just so amazing to behold Plus, you get to really drink in her talent and her personality. Like, I love how she let her personality show throughout all these performances. And it's also a celebration of African-American culture. And it's informed by leaders in the Black community and Black scholars and graduates of HBCUs. And it's it's just really well done. Speaking of entertainment, we are now, God, less than a week away from Endgame. Does everybody have their tickets? Is everybody ready? Oh, yeah. Yes. When are we all seeing it? I think we're going Friday night, right? Yeah, Babe? Friday night at 8. I'm going Friday morning. What? Why Why not Thursday? Everybody else couldn't get off. No. Like, I, they couldn't, like, get off time. And usually we go with a big group, so it's kind of what worked yeah. out for everybody. I was, I was prepared. I was like, I'll take the day off on Friday. <laughs> we can go on Thursday. And that's why we're dating. <laughs> <laughs> prioritizes avengers over work i might still go yeah. on thursday i haven't decided i i can mm. i just checked there's still tickets available out here in the middle of nowhere for thursday night so maybe i'll i'll go thursday and then rewatch it on friday if i feel like i need to pat and i are going thursday night oh um, jewel says she's going at 1 a.m thursday night well yeah. jewel, no wait jewel you're gonna stay up until 4 a.m Oh, vomit. See, I wish I could, but I kind of I kind of feel like I would betray everybody I'm going to see it with on Friday. Like, I'd have to just like see it in secret and then yeah. just act surprised, just oh, get one of those could- fake mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it if you want. I'd be okay with it. I agree yeah. with you, Mark, though. That your friends will feel betrayed because they want to see it all together for the first time. Eh, none of them listen to this podcast, so... They won't find out. See, I'm going by myself, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about anybody else's opinion. It's great. I'm just going to walk into the theater with that like fake glasses, nose, mustache combo you can get like in Halloween stores. <laughs> and you genuinely won't tell them that you saw it early? <sighs> I, I don't know. Laura, t- tell us what happens next week. I, I got to know how this ends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't, we don't have reserved seating. Which sucks, so we're probably gonna have to get there freaking like an hour early or something, which I just hate. Yeah, yeah I kinda sure I kinda like the, the theater we that we go to doesn't have reserve seating either, and I kinda like it because with a group this big, it's such a pain in the ass to get everybody to buy their ticket on time, then make sure that they're picking the correct seats so we're all sitting, you know, relatively close. Like I kinda rather just like show up with my three DS like an hour early. 
and just sit there. That's what I'll do. I'll bring my Nintendo. Well, and also the theater we go to is, you know, it's fine for a theater, but it's definitely an older theater that just isn't as flashy as some of these newer, like, dine-in movie theaters. Mm -hmm. So I feel like even on release nights, it's never outrageously packed. I mean, it was pretty packed for Captain Marvel. Like, me and Chris got there an hour and a half early, and we still weren't – like, we weren't even the first ones in line. Like, we had enough – we were far enough up in line to get the seats we needed, but there was at least, like, eight people in front of us. Yeah. I mean, I I think it does get crowded, but it's not like some of these other theaters where you have to basically take half the day off to go get in line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All the theaters that I, well, the only theater I saw all of the big midnight releases at, so like anything Star Wars, Harry Potter, stuff like that, is uh, it's just like a one house movie theater and it's mm. huge, but the sound is really good because George Lucas paid to put a bu- bunch of money into the sound uh, oh, not too well, long ago because he likes to put his like uh, <laughs> his screeners over there. So everybody goes to that one. And it's kind of nice because it's like a community experience, but you do kind of buy tickets knowing you're going to have to wait in line two hours to get a good seat, you know, but it's all part of the, the excitement. So I enjoy going to that one every once in a while still. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to use the bathroom during my showing. I mean, three hours. You're not going to go buy some Depends. Oh, I'm not, I'm not drinking anything that day. (laughs) You're not drinking anything? (laughs) Whatever it takes. My friend made fun of me because usually like... I, if it's a movie I've seen before, or even if it's a movie that I kind of know what happens, I'll like, like, oh, I gotta use the bathroom, I'll be back and like leave. But <laughs> my friend was like, this is three hours long. Can you not go to the bathroom this whole time? And I just responded, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just not drinking that day. No. So yeah. I told him the other night that I had a dream that we were, we weren't seeing Endgame, but we were seeing Spider-Man Homecoming. And one of the big questions that people have about this movie is where in the timeline does it fall? Because it's not readily apparent. And I dreamed that we were seeing that movie. And then Aunt May said something to Peter that revealed like where in the timeline of all these movies it fell. And everyone in the theater was like, oh, like freaking out. But Mark wasn't there because he went to go pee. (laughs) (laughs) And I told him that when I woke up the other day, I was like, oh, my God, you can't drink anything. And then it it was a prophecy. So now I know I just can't no no hydration that day. I can't believe that. That's so funny that you're actually not going to drink anything. Now, after the movie, all bets are off. We're going to get right. some beer. The you know. line you have to drink is going to be away. so long to use the bathroom after this movie. You should just wear a diaper, Mark. I feel like you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends also uh, proposed that me- I just get a really large drink. And he was like, they're multi-purpose. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I was going to say, my whole thing is that the, the Russo brothers, I think, have come out to say that good luck finding a place to go to the bathroom in this movie because you're not going to be able to leave the theater. And I feel like a lot of people are like challenge accepted. So what I'm saying <laughs> is like there better not be any filler at all, because if not, that was, you know, a lofty thing to say, basically. That's also just a clever way to promote the movie. You won't want to miss a second. Right. Your bladder's going to explode and you'll be okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll talk about it next week. Got some news items to discuss today. We're having a fun, relaxed episode. But first, it's time to hear from our first sponsor of the week. They are OpenFit. This is a company I just adore because not only 
has my pet been using them for years, but I know it works and I know it's insanely convenient. OpenFit lets you lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. Forget all the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play. You have access to amazing trainers and classes right in your own home. OpenFit classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. Sculpt your body with Andrea Rogers, founder of the worldwide sensation Extend Bar, or get in crazy good shape with Hunter McIntyre, named by Sports Illustrated as one of the top 50 fittest athletes. And no matter where you are, you can work out. You are bringing these trainers right to you. You can access anywhere and anytime. View on your computer, your web-enabled TV, your tablet, your your smartphone, Roku, wherever. I love OpenFit because it lets me get in a workout without the hassle of getting to a gym. How many times have you told yourself, I don't want to leave the house, forget it. Now you can stay home and wake up your body with an effective and fun workout. OpenFit has changed the way I work out, and with our code MIL, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use our code MIL and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text MIL to 303030. You will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition information totally free. This is like getting a gym membership for a month for free. A gym will not give you a free trial for that long. Again, just text MIL to 303030. All right. Well, getting into some news, we are going to talk a little more about the Mueller report. If you want to hear our initial reactions to the report dropping on Thursday, definitely check out the breaking news segment over on Patreon. It's available to all $10 patrons. And I thought it was a really, it was like a non-structured conversation, but we covered a lot of information in about 40 minutes or so. Yeah, we did. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time. Yeah, me too. I mean, we were all kind of like, I feel like at this point, we were kind of just like discussing it seriously, but also absorbed in the hilarity of like how ridiculous this whole situation is. Yeah. And some of the ridiculous revelations that came out from yeah, because of Sarah Sanders and Ugh. even Trump, that yeah. one I'm fucked line. Yeah, you'll get to if you if you subscribe to that, you'll get to hear me in doing my Trump voice reading that famous quote where he says, this is the worst thing. I'm fucked. Which is always a treat. (laughs) So I promised in that installment of Breaking News that I was going to be endeavoring to read the Mueller report. Um, I haven't gotten all the way through it, but I'm about 100 pages in at this point. And I've also done some pretty heavy skimming of the report as well to make sure I'm not missing anything. But I thought first I could share a few things with you guys that I found that aren't really bombshells that are being reported in the news but I think these moments are pretty jaw-dropping, too. Mm. So first of all, there's a section titled Targeting and Recruiting uh, to U.S. Persons, or of U.S. Persons, excuse me. And it states, and quote, As early as 2014, the IRA instructed its employees to target U.S. persons who could be used to advance its operational goals. Initially, recruitment focused on U.S. persons who could amplify the content posted by the IRA. Then a lot of the remaining content in this this section is redacted as harm to ongoing matter. And when I read this, I was like, oh, my God, this is 
This is the part where it talks about whatever Russian interference tactics are being used right now is being discussed, right? So like, they're currently investigating that information. That must be what's in this redacted section. And it's pretty lengthy, the amount of stuff that's redacted here. Um, and so to me, like I was reading, it, I was like, Oh, my God, I wish I had like x-ray vision and could see through these redactions, because I would love to know more about what they're doing. And how that might correlate with the recent efforts in Ukraine that we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Do you think this information will eventually come out thanks to subpoenas or maybe another way, a leak? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, a lot of this stuff is also redacted. Um because like it's also labeled as grand jury. So I think there's some of this stuff that's never going to be accessible to the public, but I think ultimately we'll probably hear more about whatever's redacted here just through organic reporting. Yeah. Um, so we may not necessarily get it from this report in this format, but we may get it in another report at some point mm-hmm. that then CNN picks up and has Wolf Blitzer talk about <laughs> breaking news. Well, that is voice breaking. That's a joke from the breaking news segment. So my next favorite thing, and this, like, I laughed out loud when I read this. So to give you a brief summary, on election night after Trump won the presidency, Hope Hicks, we all remember she was the press secretary at the time, got a phone call from someone who, quote, sounded foreign. And she couldn't really understand what the person was saying to her. But what she did get out of it was somebody saying Putin call. So she then told them to send her an email, which they did. And it was a video in English and Russian of Putin congratulating Trump on his win. And my favorite part of this is it says, Hicks forwarded the email to Kushner asking, can you look into this? Don't want to get duped, but don't want to blow off Putin. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, how is this real? (laughs) So she thought it may have been a fake video of Putin congratulating Trump. Wow. I mean, like that technology is possible these days, but I, yeah, I don't know. I actually don't blame her for wondering if it was fake just because she was very new. Yeah, it's not even so much about her. It's just the circumstances that led to that point. Yeah. Like, usually when world leaders are calling to congratulate other world leaders on winning an election, they do so through official channels. True. Like, calling the fucking White House. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe, like, calling... I guess he wouldn't be in the White House at this point. But, like, actually reaching out through official campaign channels. Yeah. And weren't they, like, already in communication? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like, the fact that, like, she just gets this sketchy, like, call that sounds like something straight out of the KGB. Like, they're (laughs) rambling to her and then just being like, Putin call. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is this? Um, And then the other thing... We're going to do surprise bitch in After Dark today. We will uh, (laughs) just... We'll just, when they answer, we'll just say Putin call. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll be like, pooping call? (laughs) what um and so the other thing that i thought was really interesting there's an entire section about wikileaks and it's called application to wikileaks and then the rest of the title of the section is redacted due to harm to ongoing matters so something that's being investigated um and then on top of that the entire section 
under this partially redacted title is also redacted. Mm. Now, what I think is interesting here is the context of where this section falls. So it comes directly after the subsection on the Trump Tower meeting, and right before the willfulness section, which describes why Don Jr. didn't knowingly break the law by taking the meeting. Mm. So given that, like where it falls, it also has to be something related to the Trump Tower meeting. But whatever it is, is still being investigated. Yeah. Which I find interesting, because according to this report, technically Don Jr. didn't do anything wrong. So it seems interesting to me that there's still a matter of this. It's an ongoing investigation. And I guess I'm just wondering what we think it could be about. The coordination around the WikiLeaks leak, their publishing of the DNC emails. There are sections on those, though. Mm. There are entire sections that, that go into detail on those. And if I recall correctly, there's not a ton of redaction in those sections. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just to keep pushing this theory, maybe there are certain names in this portion that they don't that they didn't want to have out there for those people's security. Well, the well-being. thing that's interesting about that is they do have cases like that in the report, but when it's redacted, the reason is um, privacy. Mm-hmm. So, if that were the case, I would imagine they would just redact the names. Yeah. But they're saying that it's an ongoing matter and that releasing that information would harm that investigation. So I'm just curious if it has more to do with like the campaign's response to that meeting and what communication might have happened directly afterwards, or if it could be about potential information that was believed to have been destroyed, because we know from the report that that was also um an issue and and part of the reason why they ultimately weren't able to find the Trump campaign guilty of collusion because a lot of evidence had been destroyed. Yeah, possibly. So at any rate, um we're already seeing calls for impeachment. So Elizabeth Warren is probably the person who's getting most of the spotlight right now. Um, but House Democrats, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib, are also signing on to a House resolution to enact articles of impeachment. And I wanted to take y'all's temperature again on the impeachment issue, because I know we touched on this briefly in the breaking news segment, but have anybody's feelings changed since then? Is impeachment a good idea? Should we be doing it? Or would it be better for Democrats to focus on 2020 and beating Trump? My only concern with impeachment is that if, you know, they go through with it, and Trump gets off, it kind of just increases his chances of, you know, being a reliable person to keep in office. No. So I I don't know if that outweighs um. I don't know how that weighs out in my head yet still, you know, like go forward to prove a point because he should be held accountable and so should his administration. But I also don't want him to get off and then have us deal with another four years of Trump. 
I think impeachment also just motivates his base. It just yeah. makes Trump a- angrier, then it makes his base angrier, and we run the risk of uh, losing again in 2020. I I think, especially after Mueller's report, in which the general consensus is that there's nothing in here that, oh my God, he needs to get kicked out of office right now. I'm not saying we are saying that, but I think that's generally where America is right now, because as we spoke in the breaking spoke about in the breaking news segment, we're all so used to we're we're all conditioned to Trump's behavior at this point. So it's not a big deal. But anyway, I I just feel like it would be a losing battle for us and we just need to focus around rallying. We need to focus on who we're gonna pick in twenty twenty and selecting somebody who can really take down Trump. Yeah, I think I think you guys just perfectly described the current struggle that's happening amongst Democrats. Um, So there are obviously some prominent Democrats who are pro impeachment. And there are some Democrats who don't think it's such a good idea. And for Democrats who think that this is what we should be doing, their concern is that they feel constitutionally obligated to do so. Um, The Mueller report does a really good job of laying out why Congress has to be the place where obstruction is determined. Mm -hmm. And so since that kind of feels like it's like a punt from Robert Mueller, right? Like, okay, I did the legwork. Now you need to do your job and determine whether or not obstruction occurred. Mm -hmm. So I I guess from that perspective, I, I might like to see Democrats doing something like subpoenaing Mueller first before going the impeachment route. That said, I'm also not against impeachment. Because I'm not entirely sure that we have an easy road to 2020. And that's kind of where my concern is, because Trump just sucks all of the air out of the room. And I don't know that we have anybody who can go up against that and win, because he's like a cult of personality. Yep. And Democrats, I just, I feel like they're not at this point really united on, like, sticking with the economy. Um, So, like, Democrats usually, if they focus on the economy, and if that's what they run their campaigns on, they usually win. Um, We have, like, the election, uh, Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush is a perfect example. H.W. was a one-term president because the economy tanked under him, and much of Clinton's platform was economically focused. So we see the economy dipping under Trump. And I think if Democrats were to put their focus there, or at least make sure that there was a common narrative amongst the candidates that was economically focused, but also looking into the ways that a strong economy makes everyone stronger um, and not just white people, then they would have a chance. But it just doesn't feel like we're there. I'm just hoping that enough people who voted for Trump may be a little under protest because they didn't they didn't like either candidate or they just had a bad feeling about Hillary. Now that they've seen what's going on with Trump, I hope that they switch to the other side of the aisle in 2020, because that's really the only way I can see us winning. Everybody who voted for Trump and felt passionate or interested in Trump is probably going to vote for him again. 
Oh, yeah, they don't care. Yeah. yeah. These are the people who wear the shirts that say, I'd rather be a Russian than a Democrat. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, this, what I found most interesting about the Mueller report, the broad strokes of it that I've seen, is that Trump is just a fucking liar. And that's not news to any of us. But what's important about the Mueller report is this, these interviews were all as far as I've seen, on-the-record stuff. There's a lot of new information here. This isn't the New York Times being like, sources say that Trump said this and did that. No, this is verified information. This is raw proof we're seeing that Trump would, for example, go to his aides, tell them to do something, and they would either look at each other and shake their heads, no, we're not going to do that, or they pass the assignment to somebody else who ultimately wouldn't get it done either. They saved him from actually being indicted. That's what the analysis yep. seems to say here. So Trump fucking blows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I saw, I saw somebody, a Trump enthusiast, defending this by basically being like, yeah, so like if you plan to murder somebody, but you don't get away with it, because the circumstances don't allow it, you can't be charged for murder. <laughs> mm-hmm. And somebody else replied to that and was like, yeah, but that's attempted murder, which is also a very serious fucking charge. So yeah. I feel like attempted obstruction should be a thing. It's just objectively, Trump fucking is an idiot. He's just mm-hmm. a total idiot. And I really can't comprehend how you can look at this guy. Maybe Fox News just hides enough of it, but I don't understand how you can look at this guy and be like yeah i want him to continue being president it really it just logically does not compute yeah well i think it's oh, oh i think it's ahead. i think it's also too that people just don't want to admit that they're wrong mm-hmm. like even if like at this point there are trump supporters that know trump's not great like i could totally see them just like you know keeping the facade up just to be like, oh, well, if I admit that he's bad, then, you know, I was wrong for however many years, you know. Right. Nobody wants to be responsible for, say, tanking the economy or voting somebody in who raised a crap load of taxes on people that shouldn't yeah. have to pay more or took away somebody's right to health care. So instead, they just bend over backwards and explain it's kind of amazing the acrobatics people go through to justify it yeah exactly and what sucks too is like that's why like i've kind of stopped like arguing with people that i see that are like that because it doesn't matter what you say because they know you know it's like trying to convince something of somebody of something that they already know but they're just denying it to make themselves feel better so like there's not really much you can like you can't appeal to their better judgment because they know what you're saying is right they just don't want to admit it Mm -hmm. um and that kind of leads us into the next point, which is how are conservatives interpreting it? Um, Really not a shock here. You're not hearing a ton of reactions out of prominent conservatives. And I was reading a really good analysis piece by Vox, and it discussed how the conservative reaction is largely just, well, this is embarrassing, but he does embarrassing shit all the time. And here's another thing to add to the pile. Since he didn't do anything criminal, we're not concerned, which is deplorable. Wow. And 
any 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 lawmaker that will not step out and call this what it is, which is treason, is is a coward. And finally, I'm wondering what what do you think that we, the American people, should be demanding of our elected officials in light of this report? I guess just to do something. <laughs> Can we do something? <laughs> Can we try to do something in the House? Like, Well, people have been asking Congress to do something for hundreds of years. Well, and, and that's <laughs> my point. And that's my point. Like now that this Mueller report that we've all been talking about for two years now is out. Everybody in the House and Senate have been talking about it. You know, hey, this is important. And I'm glad this is being investigated. Just act on it in some way. I'll just keep it that simple. The bar is low. <laughs> just do something. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would really like to see legislation put into place to prevent something like this from happening again. There need to be more firm lines drawn surrounding the attempt to collude and the attempt to obstruct. The fact that as long as you don't technically meet a legal definition of obstruction, then you're fine is boggling to me. So um, I wanted to talk about a big aspect of social media, the like. I believe a tagline I came up for with for the show at one point was living for the like because, you know, Receiving likes is important. I'll admit it. Um, but in recent weeks, both Twitter and Instagram have actually considered hiding the like counts from audiences or taking it away altogether. Um, this is big news because likes have really been the barometer for what's popular on the internet. You're scrolling through social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you see the likes and it kind of dictates how popular something is or how successful something is. It all really started with Facebook, as far as I can recall. Maybe YouTube was doing the upvoting around the same time. And of course, Reddit uh, has always had upvoting. But the like, that's always been like (laughs) the definition of of something that is successful in, in the modern internet age. And now Instagram has begun testing, removing the ability to see how many likes somebody else somebody else's post has received altogether. Instagram said that they are exploring ways to reduce pressure. And if you are in the test, you will see a message that says, we want your followers to focus on what you share, not how many likes your posts get. So Instagram wants to take it away altogether, unless, unless, um, except for seeing the likes on your own posts. And then Twitter, they actually just want to hide it. Now, they say this is to clean up their feed, but I would assume it's also to reduce pressure. Um, we talk about digital anxiety from time to time, the, the, the pressures of being online and keeping up with social media and whatnot. And by putting likes or and or retweets behind a tap, you also benefit from it not being as important to get likes. So first of all, I just want to ask the panel, can we all admit that the amount of likes you may or may not receive influences what you post on social media. One hundred percent. Yeah, especially on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just for making yourself feel good, but 
it's also to make sure to me that it looks like you're getting good engagement. Like I want to look like I have an active social media following. So I'm only going to post stuff that I think will get a good amount of likes. So I'm wondering for everyone, if Instagram does end up hiding the like counts, do you think you would post more on Instagram or would you feel less pressure um, to post things? I don't know. I mean, I like to think that I don't live and die by how many likes I'm getting on stuff. But I also feel like this is how you can kind of measure virality, right? So if I can't immediately see how many retweets or likes something has gotten, is that going to influence my decision to then like or retweet that thing? Mm-hmm. Like, is it is it forcing people into a place of only liking stuff because they like it instead of just following the crowd? I don't know. I just, I think for me, it's a good way to um, test the waters and it's a good barometer for what like my online audience enjoys more than what they don't, you know, especially for Twitter. It's just like, it's, it just is helpful for me to see, what people that follow me are engaging in or are most engaged in. And, and then I can kind of adjust that way, especially as a freelancer, it's super helpful. And also I think I've mentioned this before, but like, it's very common now whenever I apply to jobs for the people that are making that decision to want to see the online engagement and how much engagement I have with my audience and how much engagement they have with me across a variety of platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, Jewel Mm. brought up a really good point too. She mentioned that um, sites optimize your feed so that you see posts that have more likes and comments. Yeah. So what's going to happen to feeds? Well, so it could still be based on that data because you will still be able to like, you just won't be able to see Mm. those counts. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way for them to like, um, make it so content creators can still have it because I know for like for me like there's a bunch of people I follow on YouTube and on Instagram and whatever and they'll post videos right so like it, it, usually you want to see which video has the most likes so you know which one to watch you know like mm. or like you know if there's a guide and the guide has a bunch of likes you know it's a, probably a good guide or something like that and for the content creator too like he would know or you know whoever they are would know what they're doing that's working and keep on doing that but if they can't see the likes then they're just kind of throwing their videos out there i mean youtube will still tell you how many views and stuff you get but if you're like you know putting an announcement on Instagram or something on Twitter, promoting one of the videos you yeah. just made, then... For me on YouTube, it's all about the views. Like, if I'm yeah. looking for a video game guide or something, the thing with the most views is usually what I click on Same. first. Yeah, I don't really care about likes because no one really likes on YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. my my roommate, Chris, which is, like, the nicest person ever, I saw him, like, liking a video. And at first, I was like, what are you doing? And then I was like, oh, you're, you know, doing the thing that they always ask you to do at the end of the video. You're so nice, hey guys. Chris. Please like and subscribe and comment yep. below. And he does. Literally, we saw a, a a video last week that was about Marble Olympics. And it's exactly what it sounds like. There, there's a guy that's commentating it all. And he's like super enthusiastic and sounds really professional. 
So Chris was just like, this guy has got my subscription and he just like subscribed on YouTube and liked him. And I was like, man, Chris probably made that dude's day. No, those so, videos are insane, by the way. Like yeah. you told me about it and I kind of had the reaction Andrew just had. And then we sat down and within 60 seconds of watching the first video, I was hooked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that Instagram actually goes through with this. I think we're still a long way off if they're just testing it now, but I would feel a lot less pressure knowing when people actually can't see the like counts. And I actually would love this on Twitter. I don't want them to just hide it. I want them to make it impossible to see somebody else's like counts altogether because on Twitter, I just feel more pressure. And maybe it's because I post more there. But usually when I post stuff there, like I, I might be trying to be funny. And, you know, that's up for debate whether I actually am or not. But it if if I tweet something and it's not getting a lot of activity, then I think it's a shitty tweet and it wasn't worth my time. I think that's the pressure that these social media networks are trying to take care of. First, they were, you know, they've at least Instagram and Apple and Android, they've been trying to help us spend less time on our phones with time management. Um, but now they also got to reduce the general anxiety that people feel on social media it's really sad that we feel this way based on this fucking digital number but it's true i'm also wondering what this could mean for influencers because you know a lot of people they have these special ad deals that they're doing on instagram these sponsored posts that we see all the time i'm wondering if they're going to start like fudging the numbers when they tell the brands how their posts are performing this could turn into a very fraudulent business i'm also afraid that this is going to mean that brands might start making really shitty posts because if we can't see the like counts do they need to make as interesting posts a like count can dictate whether or not we are going to like that post or not Mm -hmm. and if we're not seeing the counts then we don't know whether to like something or not. And that brand doesn't need to worry about, oh my God, I need to create the best post possible. Possible. Yeah. I would assume this would change a bunch of uh, businesses, marketing strategies. And like I, some people like that's their whole job. Yeah. Like, j- just for likes period. Like, and you know, you know, some people have like more comprehensive, you know, social media stuff, but like there's probably people who like, that's it. Like their whole thing is like, I just need to get likes and that's it. Is everybody in agreement that they should get rid of the like counts? Does anybody disagree with that? I just don't know how I feel about it. No? Yeah, I'm kind of the same with feelings. But I I just think it, it like, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? I sympathize with people that uh, genuinely, you know, like, they have a problem with this and, and it makes them feel shitty about themselves, but... But I, I I don't think it's I don't know if it's going to make them feel better or worse because we we've turned into a, a society that that needs validation anyway. So if you take that validation away, I don't think it necessarily is going to help them feel better. Yeah. You know, maybe make it an option. Yeah. Because like for me, like Andrew, you were saying that like um, if you're making like a joke on Twitter, like you'll feel maybe better if it does better. And you thought it was really funny for me if I get like more likes on something that I post. I'm just kind of less like, why did this perform better than that? And more like, really? Okay. And then I move on with my day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) 
whereas for me it keeps me up at night right i just like i would never even think about it but i, I have friends too that are just like oh like you should have told me to to post this photo on instagram like later on because it was too late and now I only got 30 likes and it was a really good photo and i was expecting at least 50 i was just like it's not that deep yo just like mm-hmm. it's fine well we have differing opinions here so we'd love to hear your opinion feel free to hit up the website millennialshow.com and go to the contact form or write in millennialshow at gmail.com let us know what you're thinking about this if you would like to see like counts go or keep them all right before we move on to our last couple of news items for the day wanted to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors robin hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks etfs options and cryptos all commission free While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Millennial a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at millennial.robinhood.com. That's millennial.robinhood.com. Mark, what's been going on in the video game world recently? Um, Quite a bit. Uh, Sony uh, came out and confirmed a bunch of information for the PlayStation 5. Uh, Xbox did the same for their new two consoles. It's going to be like a... uh, more of a boutique console, kind of like the PS4 Pro, and then like a more of a standard one for them, which is pretty much what they're doing now. It seems like that's their motto they're going with now. And then Google entered the uh, the console race with the Google Stadia. It's like a streaming based system, kind of like PlayStation Now. So, uh, but yeah, the uh, PS5 it's looking like Sony's really trying to push this thing to me like an absolute powerhouse. Uh, AMD is making a bunch of the parts for it, like the CPU, GPU. Um, and they make, they're like, they're pretty well known of making parts for like gaming computers and gaming setups. Um, it said that it's going to have 8k resolution, which I like, I, I worked at GameStop for a while. And when people asked me about 4k back then, I was like, you don't really like you need it now, right? But I was like, you don't really need this, which I guess makes me a bad salesman, but <laughs> <laughs> you need to upgrade that television of yours. Yeah, like and that's what I told them. I was like, look, yeah, this is 4K, but there are maybe like two games right now that actually use this to its max, and unless your t- TV's a 4K TV, you're not going to see the difference anyway. So it it also depends on the size of, it, of the TV and how close you are sitting. Exactly. For anyone who doesn't know, 4K resolution is double the resolution of 1080p. That's what most people have had for probably about 10 years now. That's Blu-ray, 1080p. I have a 4K TV. I have the play, uh, PlayStation 4 Pro, so that supports 4K. It is difficult for me to tell a difference between 1080p and 4K. It's a 65-inch TV. I'm sitting, I don't know, I guess maybe eight feet back from it. 
nobody needs 8k we do not yeah. need that that's what i was wondering you told me that and i was like what is that even yeah and the thing is too like <laughs> it's kind of different for for different uh games right like the only game i've ever played well i'll take that back the, the the most recent game i've played where i it was in 4k and i could noticeably see a difference was spider-man like yeah at, in in my uh, in my apartment i have a 1080p tv and I was playing it on that for most of the game. And then Laura's parents were over her place. And I was like, oh, well, I want to show off Spider-Man because her dad was really interested to kind of see the open world because they did the, they make Manhattan look like it's it looks seamless. Like it looks like you're actually in the city. So I was showing him that and like I was playing it on the on Laura's TV and I was just like, this looks way different. Like I just played this game for at least like 20 hours and playing it here makes it look like I'm playing the sequel to this game. Yeah, right. So here's my question. Is 8K supposed to be double the resolution of 4K? In theory, I guess. Okay. Probably. 4K is 2160, so you double that, so that'll be 4320p. (laughs) I feel like we're going to be able to see, like, down the pores in people's faces. I don't know if I want that. But here's, here's the problem. These developers have to create 8K content. You are going mm-hmm. to have to create the depths of those pores. And are these video games developers going to go that far? I mean, yes, I mean, Spider-Man maybe. looks gorgeous, but you have to create every fucking milk bottle label <laughs> at 4K resolution for this to actually remain 4K. The thing I will say about because because a couple of years ago, I was in your camp. Like, absolutely, because I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But after spending a couple of years actually using game engines to make stuff, a lot of game engines kind of get those updates and the assets that they use and the modeling software that they use. Like, those things are getting updated too, right? So, like, a game engine now looks completely different from a game engine six years ago in terms of what it's capable of. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to take them more work, but a lot of the game engines are going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting anyway, you know, which, you know, I I mean, I get it. That's just how technology works, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, the one thing I kind of see making the 8k more feasible is the talk that a lot of companies are trying to integrate uh, folding TVs. Like there was one at a Tokyo uh, expo, like a, like a tech expo that, the person came out with the TV in a poster, like a poster holder, like, you know, those like rolled up the cylinders that you put posters in and he just took it out of that and unrolled it and then put it on the wall. And that was the TV. It was like a 4k TV, which is like, if, if TVs are like that, like that'd be kind of cool. Cause you could just, you know, you can like save space in your living room. Then when you're done, just roll your TV up, put it in the corner you know, I would want to do that, though. I like displaying my TV at all times. That is true. I, I'm the same way. But <laughs> but think about how easy it really? would be to bring your TV somewhere. You know, like say you were, you know, you wanted like to... Like Starbucks, like all those people that bring their desktops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Those people who bring their desktops to Starbucks need to fuck themselves. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking more of like a party. You know, what? you're going to a party, yeah. you know, like you saying you're like, there's like a, like a Game of Thrones watch party, right? And like you're, you know, your friend has a really shitty TV, but you don't want to say that to your, to their face. And you're like, oh, you know, I'll just bring mine and you just unroll it and hang it. And then there you go. It's just there. Is that going to be the new version of the guy who always brings a guitar to a party? <laughs> oh. And, and, and it's like, and it's like, 
I don't want to hear your music. I want to make you listen to my music. And everyone's like, all right, Chad, is that is that going to be the new thing? Like, oh, Mark brought his TV. It's like, all right, man, I don't want to hear Wonderwall for the 18th <laughs> right. time. I was going to say, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, any, anyway, more, more about the PS5. Uh, you know how dual core was a thing for a while for like uh, laptops, processors? Mm-hmm. This thing will have eight, eight cores eight processing cores for, you know, speed. Uh, they said it's going to be VR focused, which I would assume they're still going to make traditional games because they're getting the data from people that not everyone wants VR. Like people. Yeah. I'm pe- one of those people. Yeah. Like people like it and VR is getting better and better and better. Like, like Resident Evil seven was on VR and it was pretty comprehensive. Like it was, you were like in the game because a lot of VR games are kind of, you know, weird and not quite there yet they're kind of like choppy this was pretty fluid so if they do that you know especially with the processing power of this thing like it's basically like a small computer and then one of the one of the big changes with this is apparently they're switching from traditional hard drives to solid state hard drives for this now which would be the first system to do this and that makes it be able to be a lot more modular so say for the PlayStation Pro, like if you had a regular PlayStation 5 and then they come out with a, I don't know, five terabyte hard drive, you don't have to get a whole nother PlayStation. You can just switch it out and it'll be faster. And, you know, for, you, you can you can put a new hard drive in a PlayStation now, but that's not necessarily going to make it, you know, you, 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 you're basically just increasing the storage in the PlayStation virtual- 4. On virtual reality, I don't think my opinion is ever going to change on virtual reality. I hate putting on these goggles to step into another world. That is just not how I like to entertain myself. What is and it? virtual reality could be a whole other discussion we have on the show sometime because, uh, you know, it's not just Sony. It's Apple. It's Facebook. It's even Nintendo. They've been getting into VR. I hate it. I freaking hate it. It's nauseating. What if they had it where it was not as invasive? Like, what if it was just like a pair of glasses instead of a whole like goggle thing? Maybe. I don't know. There's just something not right to me about just being in this virtual world. I mean, the whole point of VR is that you're supposed to be completely immersed. And I don't like feeling completely mm-hmm. immersed. Yeah. I The thing about it is like, I'm kind of with you in gaming because like, it sounds really lazy, but I don't feel like doing all that when I want to play a game. Like, I don't feel like <laughs> right. setting up the thing, putting it on, making sure it's calibrated correctly, going through all the options. Like, I just want to pick up my controller, turn on my TV, and that's it. Right. But I will say there are some things that are cool. Like, apparently, uh, one of my friends in New York that I grew up with, he uh, got a new, uh, I think it's a Hive or something, HTC's uh, VR. And it has like a like a waiting room area where you can just go in and hang out with people. And like you, there's like a, a quote unquote movie theater. So you go into this place, move your character to a movie theater and you're watching a movie with your friends in VR, wherever they are. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm like, that's cool. Like, like a- applications like that, where you're using it as a bridge for people to hang out that can't anymore for whatever reason, like because of, you know, distance or just, you know, scheduling conflicts or whatever, it's cool that you can make a space virtually and hang out and talk to them as if they were there, you know, cause like, you know, like you can always text people and call people, but like you being there with them and experiencing whatever they're doing 
in real time is kind of cool. That's a pretty cool, I feel like that'd be a cool way to bridge, you know, the gap for people who can't hang out with their friends for whatever reason. But in terms of like being completely immersed in a game, I agree. I don't really want all of that. As long as it doesn't completely replace hanging out with people in real life, I guess it's okay to do from time to time. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a great way to record the show. That'd be funny. That would be cool. I mean, I I say from time to time, we need to have our cameras on while we do this because I think that would help a lot. Mm -hmm. And the thing thing is too, like, for example, like like that same friend in New York, right? Like I text him every now and again, but I haven't seen him in years just because I haven't had the money to go back to New York to visit people, you know? So like... Can you have sex in virtual reality yet? That would be pretty cool. (laughs) I think that's just just phone sex. So actually, (laughs) me and my friend had a very what? long drunk discussion about this. Okay, I was oh, about to be like, I don't sure. know this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Like we just we were basically like, what would that like what is virtual reality sex going to look like 20 years from now? That seems like a good use of virtual reality if you're lonely. Yeah, well, and honestly like safer too. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, true. You're not going to get murdered, <laughs> you're not going to get herpes. Mm-hmm. You can still get viruses though. A but uh yeah the last thing i wanted to talk about in this was just uh the was the stadia and the xbox uh there the the lower budget one is going to be called the xbox scarlet uh cloud that and the stadia are cloud-based which is and streaming based which is basically like netflix for games and they sony pushed this idea out a couple of years ago and on paper, it's a great idea because you can have access to a huge library just like Netflix and just pick the game and play it. You don't have to download anything because you know, people hate that. You know, you get a new game, you have to wait like an hour for it to download. You know, you run out of space because games are huge now. Like Red Dead is huge. God of War is huge, all that. Um, the problem was back then though, was internet sucks. So like, if you're playing I don't know, like a racing game with your friend and then you lag because, you know, the whole interaction is being streamed back and forth, you know, that kind of ruins the experience. So Call me old fashioned, but I like just downloading my games. Oh, me too. I like buying my I games. Like, <laughs> I like having discs. I like how that's that's the, the old school version. I prefer to download my content. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I mean, I, the I like having why, discs. So... Yeah, I understand that, and some people say because they like. Actually, I used to have that position, but with the Nintendo Switch, because it's portable, mm-hmm. I like just having everything already downloaded to the system, so I don't have to carry around a bunch of games with me. I don't have to get exactly. off my couch when I want to switch games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for the for the convenient. Switch, I'm 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 with you. I'm with you on that one. The downloading games is the like I have Smash downloaded on that thing, and it's great. I don't have to remember to carry my game with me or whatever. It's just in there all the time, but with my other like more of my home consoles i kind of like having a a shelf that just has my games listed you know what i mean like i, I guess it's just because they work at gamestop and that's literally what you do there most of the time because gamestop's a dying business but um just having like being able to look up at your thing and be like oh yeah i remember when i played that that was fun i remember when i played that that was cool you know like Especially and like I love steelbook cases. That's like my my irrational thing I get whenever I can, even though it doesn't really matter. So like I have a bunch of steelbook cases up there, but I mean, it, it's just more of a visual thing. But I mean, 
with the with the stadia like you wouldn't even have you would it wouldn't even you wouldn't even have a download log it would just be you played this game at this time for this long and that's it and also with the stadia apparently you just buy a controller like it's not even uh like basically you would just walk up to a smart tv that had a google app on it and then the controller would interface with that and then the google tv would just give you access to the library of games and you could just play them so you wouldn't even have to carry a, a system with you. You would just carry that controller around. And then when you're, when the TV has the Google app, it just automatically activates and that's it. That's kind of cool. It just yeah. reminds me of like when I was younger and we would have sleepover, somebody would always have to drag the whole system and the library yeah. of games so that everybody yeah. could play at one house. But like, mm-hmm. that's a game changer. I used to have a GameCube with a carrying case. Oh, yeah. And remember GameCube mm-hmm. had a handle built into it? That yeah. was the coolest thing. Yeah, well, the GameCube was great. That's one of my favorite systems. All right. One more uh, tech-related story today. Yeah, this one's super quick, but it's always fun to see what's coming down the pipeline at Netflix, maybe. Uh, they're actually testing a new feature via the Android mobile app that will let you play an episode at random from certain TV shows. So if they roll this out, you know, in mass, it might be good if you're an indecisive viewer, which I think we all are sometimes because there's so much content on there. Uh, so right now they're testing it on programs such as The Office, Our Planet, Arrested Development, and New Girl. And there's also an option for users to play a popular episode at random. Um, so I, for me, I, I don't see this as like a feature that I would use often if it was something that was available to everybody. But I wanted to know if this was something that you guys would be interested in and and maybe, if not, anything that's missing on Netflix in terms of a feature that you might want to see in the future. I think this is a good idea because isn't this one of the last remaining fun parts of traditional television? Sometimes you'll be browsing the TV guide and you'll see, oh, hey, The Office is on. And you just tune into a random episode. Or this would be me. So so The Office exa- example is actually great because my parents love The Office. They love watching random episodes. Some people are just addicted to sitcoms, certain sitcoms, and would want this. For me, it's not a sitcom. It would be Breaking Bad. If I see Breaking Bad rerunning on t- on AMC, I'm going to tune in and, and watch an episode. It's like when they run the complete series on AMC around like New Year's Eve or Christmas. They've done that a couple of years. I love just randomly tuning in. So I think this would be an excellent edition if you're just looking to watch a random episode of one of your favorite television shows are you going to do this with the series you haven't seen no but for those of us who like rewatching television this is great i also like this because i think it'll be a good way to put something mindless on in the background like i don't know about you guys but when i'm yeah. cleaning or even like sitting around signing these thousands of muggle cast art like cover art <laughs> postcards that we're sending out. I like having something on in the background to just kind of like keep me entertained and like keep my mind from blanking out right? <laughs> as I'm doing like manual type stuff. Um, so it'd be cool to just put this on and be like, oh, put on a random episode of, you know, Arrested Development from the first three seasons. See, I usually just yeah. start from the beginning <laughs> and play it. You know, if it's a show, I already know. So mm. I'll just hit play on like Gilmore Girls or something. Oh my god, I 
actually, I do the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny because you do eventually, like, you get to the end and you're like, oh, I guess I have to start it over. Right, now. right. <laughs> or I pick a season, you know, if it's a show that I already know, I kind of know which season I would prefer to watch. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, you know, the one thing that I do like about this, especially like the play a popular episode at random, is that I could see this working for um, for shows that you don't need like a lot of background information for, especially if you're trying to introduce somebody to the show that hasn't ever seen it. Because sometimes, yeah. you know, you tell people, oh, watch the show. But like, you know, like Parks and Rec is a good example where the, the first few episodes for me, I feel like are, are a little bit shaky, but there's some great episodes towards you know, like the middle or even like at the tail end of season one. So if you have like a pick a random episode that's popular feature, you could just tell your friend, check this out, but you know, just hit that button and see if you like it. Yeah. I also saw a report a week or two ago that they are testing a most popular section on Netflix. I think this is in the UK. I might be wrong, but it shows you the 10 most popular series or I guess movies in certain genres. And I like that idea as well. And that could be great for background viewing. Like, let's say I've been doing some painting in the house recently. Maybe I just want something on in the background as I'm doing some touch-up paint, but I don't want to focus too heavily. And I see a beloved sitcom is in the top 10 right now. Maybe I'll turn it on just the background watch it. Or what's also great about that is you can instantly see what people are watching. So you know what's going to be uh, what people are talking about online. Like I, I would, I would love a top 10 list just to be a part of the social media yeah. conversation about these shows. I was going to say, I think that I, I hate to sound like, I don't know, this makes me probably sound way more informed than I am, but I feel like being on Twitter, you kind of get a, a really good sense of what is popping on, on Netflix anyway. But I feel like that would be really useful for somebody that's maybe not super into the online discourse of what's going down and and what you should be watching. Like my mom, just by happenstance the other day decided she was going to watch Schitt's Creek had no idea it was a really popular show because she's not really on the internet. But if she had Mm -hmm. been, she probably would have started watching it, you know, quite Mm -hmm. a while ago. So yeah, I think that like kind of touching on the things I would like Netflix to do. Um, I like, I, I think, I don't know, I feel like I really liked the Bandersnatch. That was really cool. But I wish there was a way to where when you finished it, it kind of showed you in a tree where you finished and let you go back to things you already saw. Because we got an ending and then in order to get the other endings, you need to just like watch the whole movie again and just make other decisions. And I was kind of like, like if this was a game, maybe, but like, I'm not about to watch this whole movie all over again, just to get one right. ending. Uh, you know, like it's like, it, it, even in games that do that, like with like, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, until dawn, like they kind of let you fast forward to places that you've always been or already been to make those different decisions to see how it kind of shakes out. And uh, also I'd kind of like it if kind of what you were talking about, uh, Andrew is if there was a popularity list, but if they introduce like a friends feature on Netflix and that way you could see what your friends specifically are watching. So that way you know what to talk about with your friends specifically. Cause I mean, Netflix has all the information anyway, and you would just like, go into friends, type in somebody's like Netflix ID or something. And then you would just be like, Oh, Andrew watched this, you know, or these are the top five things watched by your friends. And that way you can just, you know, watch them. 
And on top of that, I would love the ability to sync up with your friends so you can all watch at the same time. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be really cool. Can you see that? I can't believe I've never tried this, but can you have a party on PlayStation and watch something on Netflix? Because I feel like you could just do that, right? Oh, yeah, I think you could. Huh. I don't I don't see why not. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it'd be cool if they just had that functionality in the Netflix app. Like you right. could just put in a headset and talk to somebody while you're watching a, a stream and it would right. be one stream. So you would start and stop it at the same time. It would pause whenever somebody had to pause or whatever. So it's like, you're actually watching. So it's not like one person pauses to get like a cup of water and then everybody else is ahead of that person. You know, you have to kind of check, you have to like resync. It's just one stream. Like, that'd be I cool. still want Netflix to live premiere certain shows so we could all watch in sync mm-hmm. and live tweet it. I mean, if YouTube has premiere function, I feel like it should happen at Netflix soon. I would hope. All right. Well, we have one more sponsor today. Uh, our final sponsor this week is Away. I was uh, <laughs> supposed to go to England this week and I didn't. But if I did, I would have been cruising through airports and across the ocean with my Away suitcase. This thing is a dream come true for travelers because it really makes your experience in the airport a delight. When you're looking for a suitcase, you're looking for something lightweight, that has four wheels so it moves easily, that has a smart interior, and for something that looks good. Away created that suitcase and added features you didn't know you needed. So, first of all, the suitcase is made with a premium German polycarbonate, meaning your suitcase is strong but surprisingly lightweight. That suitcase is going to be nice and light unless you make it heavy. That'll be your own fault. The interior features a patent-pending compression system, which is helpful for overpackers. And this is amazing because the compression straps will shrink down half of your suitcase. This is way better than just sitting on top of your suitcase and zippering it up because by only compressing half, you get to use the other half for things you don't want smushed, like hats or shoes or valuables or maybe a poster. It's genius. And it's also got four 360-degree spinner wheels that guarantee a smooth and easy ride. No more dragging the suitcase behind you in the airport or on city streets. It just cruises right next to you. And it saves me from back pain. I I have an old person back, so this is just so much easier. And of course, there's the feature that makes my nerd heart sing. It's the USB ports that are built right into the suitcase. It's a USB battery. And this is my favorite part because it gives you peace of mind that you'll be able to travel and have your phone charged the whole way. And when you when you are traveling, you are using your phone more because you're uh you know, you don't have your laptop out, you don't have your desktop computer and you're playing music and just depending on your phone. So this helps keep your phone alive. And Away believes in their product. It comes with a lifetime warranty, a 100-day trial, free shipping. And the carry-on sizes are compliant with all major airlines. I want you to get one of these. It's one of those products that once you buy it, you become loyal to the brand and you never want to try another competitor again. It's that good. And I've got a discount for you. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash M-I-L-L and use promo code M-I-L-L during checkouts. Again, for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash M-I-L-L and use promo code M-I-L-L during checkouts. Time for a piece of feedback. Laura, can you read this? And full disclosure, I'm going to step away to go pee because I have to pee (laughs) so bad. (laughs) Sure. 
Um, so this feedback comes from John. John says, Hello, millennial. I was very saddened to hear about the fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France. I personally have visited the cathedral on three separate occasions. When I first heard about the disaster, I wanted to donate money to help rebuild. But for one reason or another, I hesitated. I was just going to donate something like 10 to $25, but every bit helps, right? When I heard about the donations coming from wealthy Frenchmen, I decided against it. As of Thursday, April 18th, over $1 billion have been donated in a matter of four days. This is unheard of. A lot of it coming from major French fashion designers, such as the Penault family and LVMH, makers of such fashion lines as Gucci, Louis Vuitton, and L'Oreal. I am really glad all of this money is coming in and they will rebuild, but I feel like it is a personal race for French identity. This money could go to a lot of other places, such as humanitarian needs in developing countries, clean food and water. Also, there were historical sites such as Notre Dame that were destroyed or damaged in Syria. Why are we not rebuilding those? Why are we not spending billions to save the ocean or rainforest? Also, while I'm not an expert on the subject, I feel this will not help the income inequality discussion in France and the Yellow Vest protests. I love the show. Keep up the good work. I personally love how Pam is your correspondent for Hollywood and music. Mark is the correspondent on Marvel and DC. And Pat is the correspondent on Dairy and Farms. Also, Laura, can you get Pat and Andrew to wear shirts that say farm boys have better calves? I feel that would be better. (laughs) If I can find them, I'll definitely do it. (laughs) That again reminds me, I need to search for that shirt. Yeah, I... I hope you didn't get rid of it because that's like a millennial icon. When I moved out of California, every little thing mattered, you know, space-wise. So I had to make some tough decisions. I don't know. Anyway, this is a good email and it's it's a great point. Yep. Look, I'm happy that the church is going to be able to be restored thanks to all of these contributions, but... Can people feel so passionately about other issues in this world? Yeah. Um, It's funny because uh, when this was all happening, a friend of mine was saying that she wanted to donate because she had always wanted to visit Notre Dame and she's like a big history person and she, she felt compelled and, uh, she was asking me if she, if I thought it was okay to like wait until the next paycheck. And I kind of very nicely had to tell her that, uh, Notre Dame is like, apart from that, a Catholic institution so that it would be fine. And I had no doubt that, you know, the Vatican would pitch in, but also there would be multiple baskets going around during Easter Mass this Sunday. Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. not surprised that they raised this much money. Uh, so quickly, but, um, I will say that, uh, one of like the nicer things that kind of came out of this, I was reading on Vox that, uh, the donations after the fire for Notre Dame actually inspired people to donate to other historical, uh, Hmm. religious spaces as well. Uh, so Vox was specifically stating that black churches in Louisiana saw a $1.9 million donation surge after this happened and these are churches that were actually uh burned down in um in hate crimes from what i can remember like they were ar- like arson cases and stuff so i thought that that was really nice that the people realized that you know because of how big this place is it's obviously going to garner more attention but that we should also mm-hmm. remember to be just as generous to other places that 
um, have historical significance for different groups of people. Yeah. But I mean, I love this point about saving the oceans. Like think about one, what $1 billion could oh, do yeah. <laughs> to save our oceans. And like, I kind of go, I think it kind of goes to the point where like, yeah, like we could do all the things with oceans and rainforest and all that, but like, that's not sexy. You know, like that's not what's going on right now. So people like, and granted, I'm not saying that the Notre Dame shouldn't be, shouldn't have donations, you know, it's, it's a piece of history, but like, that's what's trending. So people are typically want to hop on whatever's trending. And like, it kind of sucks that not all people, but some people's motivation is just to be, you know, part of the people that are doing or part of, you know, Oh, like I, I gave to Notre Dame too. And like, I gave all the, all these millions of dollars, but in the same time, like it, there was billions, there were, there's a billion dollars that went to restoring history, which, you know, is good no matter which way you slice it, you know? So it kind of sucks think, that the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think it's all about what you feel connected to. Yeah. If you live along the ocean, you're going to feel connected to the ocean. Mm-hmm. If you go to church every Sunday, you're going to want to donate to Notre Dame mm-hmm. to help restore it. It's it's that's just unfortunately the situation that we're in. Yeah. Well, we're also in a place too where again, people love to share that they've donated to causes mm-hmm. in a lot of cases because it makes you look good on social. So you'll see a lot of like I just donated to X cause, will you join me? And then like a link to the donation page, which is a great way to raise awareness and get more donations. So I don't have a problem with that. But I also do wonder how people's priorities might shift if donations had to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's well, this- especially on like GoFundMes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like, ugh. Sometimes people like you can tell by the comments they leave on them that they really want the attention. And it's like, uh, no, you should be donating because it's the right thing to do. Right. I always do that anonymously, too. If mm-hmm. I'm if I feel compelled to donate to a GoFundMe, I never I always because they, there's an option for anonymous donation. So your name doesn't right. have to appear on that. But but the person who receives the donation will still know it's you yeah. right? or no. Yeah, I okay. think I believe so. It's just not public. So like, for example, on a much smaller scale, and this was definitely not something that like, it was like a passion project, but I have a cousin who uh, was trying to fund his first EP. And so mm-hmm. because I, I try to support him, you know, by being an emotional cheerleader whenever possible, I had some extra money. I thought, well, you know what? It's good for him to follow something that he's really passionate about. So let me just like throw $15 his way, you know? Yeah. But I did it anonymously because that's my MO on GoFundMe. And, um, and my mom had asked me, she was just like, Oh, like, did you, um, uncle Eddie said he was surprised that you didn't make a donation for Blake's EP. And I said, well, I, I did, but I did it anonymously because I didn't feel like I needed to have my name on his page. Yeah. But it's just like, so funny that people, you know, the, I don't know. It's just like charity. You should, if you feel compelled to, to do any form of charity or to give, you shouldn't do it for the glory. So no, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, before we get to recommendations, just want to remind everybody, we would love your support at patreon.com slash millennial. It is why we are able to do the show. It allows us to create time to produce the show, to record it, to release it, all of that. And then we use your support to hire people, 
including Jewel, including our album art artist. Um, and it allows us to work on projects that we wouldn't otherwise for the show. So thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. And in exchange, we give you benefits like Landy, like Face to Face, where we hang out for a half hour with you on Google Hangout uh, once a month before recording one of our episodes. And it's personal. It's fun. It's relaxed. We had a great conversation today. Nobody really showed up other than JY, but the four of us had a great conversation. Yeah, and y'all missed out. Yeah, we might release that on Patreon since it seems like a lot of people did miss out. You also get access to After Dark via Mega Millennial, which is the ad-free millennial. Mark, is that a good Smash Brothers voice I do? Do you like it? Yeah, I, I thought the dude was there, actually. I was oh. like, how'd you, how'd you hire that guy? I am that dude. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we really appreciate your support on Patreon. And today in After Dark, we're going to do a uh, surprise bitch of Palooza. We're going to call a bunch of our listeners and just shoot the shit with them, see what they are up to this weekend, ask them some questions, etc. It'll be a fun time. So now for some recommendations. I want to recommend a third-party weather app on iOS and Android, AccuWeather. And the reason why is because if you have a dog or you end up going out several times a day, They have this great feature where right on the homepage of the app, it is going to tell you when it is going to start raining and how long it is going to be raining for. And it shows you this little circle with periods of rain over a period of two hours. This is so helpful because for me, walking Brooklyn, if it's a rainy day or I know it's going to rain, I I can quickly pull it up and it just says right there, rain starting in 35 minutes. Okay, I need to walk him and have it finished within the next 35 minutes. Or... Rain continuing for another 42 minutes. Okay, in about an hour from now, I will be able to go walk Brooklyn. I just find it so helpful and convenient. And it's way better than at least Apple's built-in weather app. So check out AccuWeather. It's it's free and you can pay more to get a 30-day forecast. (laughs) I love having a 30-day forecast. Especially in Chicago when you're waiting to get out of winter. You're like, all right, when is spring starting? When is summer starting? I'm recommending deleting the Facebook app from your phone. Whoa. Um, I did this because last week it came out that a bunch of Endgame spoilers had hit the web. Apparently there was some leaked footage of really prominent spoilers. And I was like, nope, I'm deleting my social apps off my phone, except Instagram. Um, because I just I don't want to take the chance. I ended up getting back on Twitter because the Mueller report dropped and I couldn't resist um, seeing what the feed looked like. But I left Facebook off because I was like, I don't really want to see what people have to say on Facebook. <laughs> so it's been so nice. Like the first day I didn't have it on there, I found myself um, like habitually picking up my phone and unlocking it and then staring at the screen for a moment being like, wait, why did I do this? And then putting it down. And I feel like it's causing me to spend less time just like browsing through my phone to look through that Facebook feed. But I also just don't miss it. I think I'm just going to leave it off forever. Bye forever, Facebook. Oh, wow. I deleted the Facebook app. I ended up bringing it back, but I now have it hidden within a folder and I turned off notifications completely, which I just love. So now I'm checking Facebook way less. 
Uh, I'm going to stay on brand for myself and recommend Lizzo's new album because I love you because it's really great. And it's good vibes from start to finish. Get on that train. It's a good time. And Mark? Um, I'm going to recommend an anime called Mob Psycho 100. It's pretty good. It's uh, a comedy, um, like comedy action anime. And it's very like, it's kind of, it's very psychologically deep. Like they, they, they kind of explore what power does to people, like how it changes them and how it like, like, cause the main character is really, really strong, but because he's so strong, he doesn't know how to interact with society. Well, so like it's kind of showing him going through learning how to be a person, kind of, which is very interesting. And it's on Crunchyroll if you want to know where to find it. But yeah, it's pretty good. Good watch. Instagram.com slash millennial show is where you can find us on social media. We've been posting clips from each episode and clips from the bonus content that we post on Patreon. I'm seeing we have hit 800 followers on our Instagram. Hooray! So be in the 800s when you follow us over at instagram.com slash millennial show help us get to a thousand and we'll send you uh we'll send you risque pictures of andrew (laughs) uh of me yeah with the shirt with the calf shirt (laughs) if i find that i will definitely well i'll post that on patreon there you go of you wearing the shirt only the shirt i'm not sure it'll fit me anymore (laughs) i remember it being tight a couple years ago and I've just really bulked up, y'all. I'm, I'm benching 300 pounds these days, so just can't fit in anymore. <laughs> so like I said, in After Dark today, we're going to be calling a bunch of our listeners, just going to chill with them, see what they're up to, learn about their lives. It'll be a good time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Mark. <laughs> I was about to be like, and you're Mark. <laughs> Mark needs some practice. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm used to being other people on this show. Oh, yes. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. It's not a-